0: Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you.
1: Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, the first of our new four-part series on getting into mountain biking with me, Catherine Moore. We've got a mammoth first episode lined up today, talking everything you need to know about buying a mountain bike. And I can really see why it could be so bamboozling, because there is so much to think about. But with any luck, in the next half hour or so, we'll be able to make some sense of it to help you choose the best bike for you. Joining me, we have Bikeradar.com's Senior Technical Editor, Alex Evans. Hello, Alex. Hello. And no doubt a familiar voice, Tom Marvin, a Senior Tech Ed across both Bikeradar and MBUK.
2: Good
0: morning.
1: Hi. Basically, what these two don't know about mountain bikes ain't worth knowing. And seeing as I only took up mountain biking during lockdown a couple of years ago, being a beginner is really very fresh for me. So I think between us all, we'll have it covered. So there's a lot to get through. Let's crack on. I mean, where do you even start with buying a new mountain bike, let alone your first mountain bike? There's so many different factors, Alex. What would be your first thing to look at?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, like, like you say, it's, um, it's a long journey full of many trials and tribulations. But I suppose you want to start by thinking about what sort of terrain you're going to be riding. Um, you know, like what's in your local area? Is it forest tracks? Is it little single tracks? Do you live in a really mountainous area where you're going to need a bigger, gnarlier bike? Um, and what type of discipline are you interested in? You know, there's a whole like matrix of, of things going on here. Um, you obviously need to also think about your budget because that mm. will dictate the type of bike that you'll be able to buy in the first place. So say you're, you have aspirations to be a super gnarly shredder, um, you know, which I'm sure maybe we all do at some some little <laughs> place, even, even the roadies among us. Um, if you've got a small budget, you're maybe going to struggle to buy a full on downhill rig right away. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either, because, you know, there's a there's an interesting level of progression there too. um from, you know, hardtail all the way up to full suspension mountain bike. So think about your budget. Think about the sort of riding that you want to be doing and think about the type of terrain that you're going to be, you know, riding the most, the stuff that's close to you, basically. And that will help you hone in on the type of bike that you need to begin thinking about.
1: So you mentioned different disciplines there. Should we just rattle through them and take a look at all the different types? Because it seems to be like growing almost year on year.
0: There's a a new genre of mountain bike on a yearly basis. It's it's the way we work.
1: And at the sort of Lycra end, Tom, I think you're fairly familiar with.
0: Well, yeah, I guess uh, (laughs) we'll start with cross-country bikes, cross-country race bikes. So this is sort of, um, if you exclude gravel, kind of like the the more racy, skinny, go fast, uh, put lots of effort in. Sort of end of the spectrum. So you might, you know, you might. These are the people who race World Cup cross country, you know. And then the bikes that suit that are lighter weight, a little bit steeper, better at going up hills, um, but maybe a little steeper. bit steeper. It would be oh, there's a ooh. klaxon. That's a little jargon We'll talk about that later. Did we hear? Did I hear?
2: Did I hear a little klaxon there? Was was that actually something? No, very inventive with our voices.
0: These bikes, so yeah, as you say, they're a little bit steeper, which makes them maybe less suited to steeper gnarly descending.
2: Hang on, so you just said steeper twice there. Let's just clarify what you mean by steeper. I mean the, the, pitch the first, of the, trail. the first of the steeper.
0: Uh, oh well, yeah, So this will come into the jargon later on. But steeper means we're talking about the angles of the frame. Um, so, and specifically, when I say steeper, I'm talking about the head angle. But let's talk about that later on. Then we'll move on to the next genre, which is kind of a new one, and it's kind of making waves in the mountain bike world, and it's called downcountry, which was a term coined by our good frenemies at Pink Bike, uh, maybe about four or five years ago. Um, And it's basically they are bikes that take elements of cross-country bikes, i.e. they're quite good at going up hills, um, but they bring in some elements of, say, trail bikes, which are a little bit more suited to going downhill. So they have less suspension travel than a trail bike, More suspension travel than a cross-country bike and kind of blend the two together. And actually, in my opinion, they suit an awful lot of riding here in the UK because they're really good fun down a hill because they've got like quite good geometry. But they're also a little bit better at sort of traveling longer distances or getting up the hill without breaking into too much of a sweat. Then there's a trail bike, which is sort of what most people kind of tend to ride-ish. And these have moderate levels of suspension travel. So cross-country bikes, maybe 100 mil. Down-country bikes, maybe (laughs) 120 (laughs) mil.
1: (laughs) Jug and busting again. Travel.
0: Travel. Suspension We're not talking
1: about going on holiday, are we?
0: We're not going going on holiday, sadly. (laughs) Uh, Damn it. Too much work to do for that right now. Um, Travel is the amount of um, movement that the suspension fork, which is at the front of the bike, and potentially, if you've got a full suspension bike, the amount of rear-wheel suspension travel as well. Most bikes... In the mid to upper price categories tends to be full suspension bikes, but more at the pocket-friendly end, you get a lot more hardtail. So these don't have suspension at the back. Again, we'll talk about that later on. So XC bikes, maybe 100 mil of travel. Down country bikes, maybe 120 mil of travel. Trail bikes tend to be about 130 to 150 mil of travel, front and back. And then you have things called enduro bikes. So these are longer travel bikes. So they have between, say, 150 and 170 mil of travel, very roughly speaking. And these are designed to go down a hill really, really fast, but still be able to get up at sort of maybe less of a race pace, but maybe more of a snail's pace. But they will get you uphill. And then... Right at the big end of things, you've got free ride and downhill bikes. So these might have anywhere between, say, 190 to 220 millimeters of travel. They generally speaking aren't going to be very good up a hill at all because the shape of the bike, the geometry, and the way in which the suspension works i.e. its kinematics honk, 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 um are really Whoa, well was designed was tom
2: hungry for... or something what was
0: that? <laughs> <laughs> that was my klaxon i klaxoned myself yeah. um, they are really well designed for going downhill as fast as possible so lots of suspension travel and it's really soft and compliant and gives you loads of grip but they just don't pedal uphill very well Hopefully, that's like a little snapshot of all the different types of bikes, and there are a few extras in there, but we won't talk about the real minute detail.
1: Okay, so essentially, there's different categories of bike, depending on what kind of riding you want to do, all the way from racing an hour... An hour and a half, two hours?
0: For a cross country bike? Yeah, a cross country race, like an hour 15 if you're really fast. Right, race through race, race. to like. If you're, like, if you're Pauline and Prevo or something like that. And entering like a, a Welsh XC series sport race.
1: We can, um, but dream. Yeah.
0: All the way through to.
1: Like a four minute downhill run or something.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly that. Great. With marathon racing in the middle anything up to like (laughs)
2: multi-days savage (laughs) and it's it's definitely worth saying that within each of those categories there are um high and low budgets as well Mm. so you know you you can pick up a budget downhill bike which should probably be in the region of between three to four thousand pounds or dollars for you know an an entry-level downhill bike or you can push that right the way up to 12 13 14 15 even thousand dollars or pounds
0: But don't get scared Um, off by um, your lower price point there. So, downhill bikes specifically are very expensive. Um, You can pick up a mountain bike, probably a more trail or sort of cross country oriented one from probably about 500 ish pounds, five, six, seven hundred pounds for something that is genuinely usable, reliable, and probably like quite good.
1: Nice. And at that sort of price point, very entry level, would you be looking at full suspension bikes? Are you more likely to find hardtails or even rigid bikes?
0: You're not going to find a full suspension bike that is worth its salt at that price. Um I, certainly I think not. It's, brand it's new. about
2: a thousand, isn't it? It's about a thousand pounds or dollars. Where where you start to get full suspension bikes that have you know enough technology, whether that's the dampers or the components whoa, whoa, or What 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 what? <laughs> oh, oh god! Whether that's just the suspension or or the components that are fitted to it. There you go. I've unclaxed nice. myself. <laughs> um, you know that, that that kind of make them worthwhile. I think um, you know the Boardman MTR. Um, and i i think uh you know that that's a i think it's like 1200 quid possibly yeah. or 1100 pounds um as a you know the one of the more affordable starting points for full suspension mountain bike um entry points level and
1: do you need to have a full suspension bike to get started or would it be better investing your money if you're on a limited budget in a hardtail with better components
2: yeah 100% agree with that with what with which one <laughs> with 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 both of them now am with with 100% agree on your first statement which was um you know a hardtail is is brilliant and it's probably where that if you're a beginner um or you're on a budget you you should be looking to invest your money because you will get more bang for your buck because the frame's less complicated um, so the brands are usually able to spend that money that they'd have spent on, you know, suspensions, bearings or the other kind of gubbins that go with a full suspension bike on improving the components or the geometry or the frame materials or the construction of a hardtail.
0: I think I would offer a counterpoint to that.
1: <gasps> Ooh.
0: Now, at the budget end of things, if we are talking about, you know, if, if money is tight or if you don't want to spend a huge amount, then I would agree that you'll get better value out of a hardtail, undoubtedly, and certainly sub £1,500, I would probably err towards a hardtail. If you're going above that, but if you are a beginner, I would argue that you don't need to have a hardtail, necessarily. There, there was this, always this argument that beginners should be on hardtails because it makes you learn the skills better because you have to be smoother and pick your lines better and all that sort of stuff, which may have some merit. But hardtails inherently are harder to ride. They give you less sort of get out of jail free cards so when things go wrong things go wrong and a full suspension bike will give you a little bit more margin for error because there's the rear wheel can bump out of the way of things instead of like banging you out the way of things um and also you're probably going to enjoy it a bit more because it's a bit smoother it's a bit easier, you can go a little bit faster um and if you enjoy riding you're going to keep riding whereas if you get on a bike and you're like rattling around so i have this with um I'm going to add my sort of perspective to this of gravel bikes. So I ride a gravel bike with quite big tyres and a little suspension fork at the front, right? And I love it. And I rode a completely rigid gravel bike with relatively skinny tyres and no suspension, and I hated it. And if that had been my first experience of gravel biking, I wouldn't be gravel biking. So I think actually having a full suspension bike, if you can afford it, is going to make you enjoy your riding a little bit more. And I would poo-poo the naysayers who say that you have to learn your skills on a full on, on a hardtail i i don't necessarily agree
1: i had a lot uh, of that actually when i was looking for bikes a couple of years ago for my first one and everyone's like yeah you have if you're learning you have to have a hardtail yada yada rubbish. i was really lucky to buy a bike a of friend, so i got a nice full sus um from the start and it just you just got to have a bike that you really love riding haven't yeah. you because that's just going to encourage you to ride
0: and that can be a hardtail so I'm I'm a big fan of the hardtail. I love oh, wait, I is, love yeah. riding hardtails and I learned I like I my formative years of mountain biking were on hardtails. So I guess that's why I have like this this inherent love of the hardtail. You know, I spent the first I would say uh, 15 years of my mountain biking on hardtails. It's no bad thing and I'm not saying don't buy a hardtail, but um, don't be don't be swayed by those who say you have to ride a hardtail. That's my my tup- my tupence.
1: Fair enough. So we're, between us all, fairly sitting on the fence on that one then. <laughs> okay. So- Con-
2: conclusive, conclusive buying <laughs> advice. As always. <laughs>
0: yeah. Solid buying advice from Bike Radar. Well planned Do what you want.
1: <laughs> so another one that um, we may disagree on then, frame material. So is that going to be totally driven by budgets or are there one or other types of frame materials that you would really recommend for somebody getting their first mountain bike? Alex, let's come back to you yeah,
2: but budget budget is going to be um, definitely a factor in the you know carbon carbon fiber is generally a more expensive material um, to you know produce manufacture whatever so carbon fiber bikes are going to be more expensive. Steel is um, probably one of the easier materials to manufacture from, um, so steel bikes are you know likely to be likely to be cheaper. Um, aluminium kind of sits in the middle between them, and then you get super niche materials like titanium and you know all these posh alloys and stuff that um you know are are really expensive to manufacture from and the the kind of commonality hints to that um i wouldn't get like too hooked up on frame materials um if you can find a bike that you like and you can afford and it's made out of steel or aluminium or carbon or whatever um i'd just go for it I, i wouldn't worry too much um you know, each one, each one has its advantages. Aluminium is going to be lighter than steel for the same strength. Uh, carbon fiber is most likely to be lighter than aluminum for the same strength of frame. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of very much a horses for courses thing. And all bikes now can be basically tuned to feel um, how the manufacturer wants them to. So a carbon fiber bike can be super stiff or it can be super flexy. The same for a steel bike and the same for an aluminium bike. Um, So, you know, I wouldn't worry too much, basically. There are loads of different frame materials out there, but if you like the bike, you know what? Go for it.
0: I think I, I agree with Al on that. If you like the bike, agree with it. However, you get better value out of an alloy bike. So if you're sort of at that price point, like the two and a half, three grand, where you're starting to see some carbon bikes coming in, but there's also plenty of alloy models around, I'd go alloy. I don't think the, personally, I don't think the ride benefits generally speaking, of a carbon frame really outweigh better components on a on a cheaper, more value driven bike. I say at the bottom, at the sort of the more entry-level bikes, you are going to be seeing a lot of alloy frames. Still sort of was you know, it's a cheap material to to build with, but I guess they're more on sort of slightly more niche bikes these days. Um so, you know, your starlings over here in the UK or, you know, like a lot of uh kind of niche brands build out of steel because there's this mythical, like amazing feel of steel, (laughs) which uh, I think has some credence. But um yeah, most most bikes if we're looking at sort of entry-level bikes probably tend to be aluminium these days.
1: Nice. Now we can't talk about choosing bikes without talking about geometry. And no. I have my klaxon buzzer ready on my fingertips. Ow. Oh. I'm
2: jumping. Are you jumping. prepared
1: to talk through a very simplified geometry and what we need to know if we're buying a first bike?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um I'll try my I'll try my best. Good luck. Um, yeah, good luck. So um, it's, it's kind of a reference back to the different disciplines. So as Tom was talking about when he was discussing all the different disciplines, each discipline kind of has a, a slightly more suited geometry type to it. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for a cross-country bike, as Tom said, the head tube angle, which is the angle of the suspension forks in relation to the ground, So the steering angle. So when you're looking down at your forks, whether they're miles out in front of you or right beneath your hand, is the angle, basically. Um, Cross-country bikes will have a slightly steeper head tube angle. And then as you progress along the scale, so down country, trail, enduro, downhill, um, the head angle gets slacker with each discipline, basically. Um, And then you need to think about um, figures like the bike's top tube. Um, And the top tube is a very simple measurement from the middle of the saddle to the middle of the steerer tube. Uh, The saddle being the seat tube, basically, which is the vertical upright that keeps your seat post and saddle in place. So that's the length of the top tube. This is relevant when you're sitting down. Um, So on a downhill bike, you don't spend much time sitting down. So the measurement isn't that important. Same for an enduro bike, but then on trail cross-country and down-country bikes, that measurement can mean quite a bit because you do spend quite a lot of time sitting down. Longer ones can give you a more kind of length forward feeling, which is great for aggressive pedaling, steep climbs when you're really dropping the hammer. Shorter ones kind of give you that um, upright and beg, you know, that sitting sitting up and begging kind of position where, you know, your back's a bit straighter, your hands are closer to your body. Um, and these are kind of more suited to bikes where you're not going to be riding quite as quickly. You're maybe not going to be tackling aggressive gnarly terrain um, simply because of your weight and where it's positioned. Um, another important figure is the bike's reach. Now, for this one, you need to draw a vertical line from the centre of the bottom bracket directly upright. Can I just yeah. a in though?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Bottom bracket. Bottom bracket. Where was oh, the
1: in though? Oh, honk, 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 honk. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, the bottom bracket again.
0: is the, uh, your, your cranks, which is the bit your pedals are on. The centre of that is the bottom bracket, and the bottom bracket really is the bearings that hold those cranks into the frame. Thank Carry you, on,
2: Thank you. So for, for your reach, you you draw a vertical line from the centre of the bottom bracket, and then you draw a horizontal line from the stem, Yeah, which is the bit that the handlebars attach to, which is obviously <laughs> the, the piece that you steer. I, I didn't get klaxoned. So you draw a horizontal line rearwards towards the saddle from the stem, uh, from the center of the stem and where that intersects the vertical line above the bottom bracket, the, the, the length of that line between the stem and where it intersects the vertical line is your reach figure. And this is most relevant when you're standing up and it will dictate how roomy the bike feels. The longer the reach figure, the roomier it's going to be, Um, And the more descent focused, I think it would be suitable to say the bike will be along with another, you know, a whole host of other factors. Uh, But generally speaking, trail, sorry, cross country, down country, and to an extent, some trail bikes, their reach figures are going to be shorter um, than, you know, the more extreme bikes. Oh, my gosh, there are so many different things to talk about here. But I think that those are like the, the main kind of key sizing factors and things that you maybe need to think about.
0: Do you want to talk about seat tube length as well if we're going to talk about sizing?
2: Yeah, okay. So, seat, seat tube length uh, is kind of a um, it's an interesting one because you need to add in another factor here, which is mm-hmm. dropper posts. So
1: hong, oh, hong, so hong, oh, hong, I was expecting on, it. To Tom? Uh,
2: What's a dropper
1: post? A dropper
0: post. Am I like the uh, thesaurus? Yes, now? you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. The dictionary corner with Tom. Uh, a dropper post is uh, so, the seat post is the move up and downable. Of the uh, components that sort of changes the saddle height. So, obviously, sit on the saddle, you need to get the right height uh, between the cranks and your pedals and where your bum sits. Um, and so, there's like a, a tube that goes within the seat tube on the frame that can be moved up and down. Now, dropper posts are a, an invention that came out maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago, um, but have become basically ubiquitous across mountain bikes from about a thousand pounds upwards. Um, And they are a hydraulically operated um, adjustment of the seat post. Imagine like your office chair, you know, you can like go up and down um, by pulling a lever. It's basically the same thing. Um, And the idea is that you set the saddle at your pedaling height, which is, you know, an efficient height for pedalling along. And then when you get to a downhill, you pull your lever, whether it's 99% of the time these days is on your handlebar, or you push a little lever and the saddle with your weight drops out of the way um, and then you can stand up again and it moves the saddle away from your bum. So when you're going down steep hills, you don't have a saddle hitting you in the backside and making you feel like you're going to get popped over the front. Nice. So- They're and, really and good. And you
1: save on bikes from about a grand, if somebody's sort of on the fence as to whether to get a bike that doesn't have a dropper post... But potentially, sort of within budget, or just spending that little bit more on getting one with a dropper post?
0: I would, I would, uh, on maybe saving your pennies for another month and getting the bike with a dropper post. Because if we're talking, you know, we talked about geometry and we talked about what kind of bike people should get, and full you know, it's all about the ride experience. And I would challenge pretty much anyone who says that a dropper post doesn't add to their ride experience so i would save your pennies either you know if there is a bike that you really like and it doesn't have a dropper post that's fine it will probably be able to take a dropper post so either save up to budget for buying a second you know like a, a a dropper post on the side or save up a bit more and get a bike with a dropper
1: nice i think it's one of those things that as mountain bikers we've become so reliant on mm. and then going back to riding one even just going and riding my gravel bike sometimes i'm like mm. <laughs> Roll up to the traffic lights. I'm like, well where's where's my dropper? <laughs> I have to put a foot down. It's a really long way.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and so th- that 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 example there, the the long way you've rolled up to a traffic light is 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 relevant to uh seat tube length as well. So you want to make sure that um the bike you're buying doesn't have a seat tube that's too long uh or too short. And you know, both both can be problematic. Um the too long one being the bigger issue here that you won't be able to lower the seat enough for the descents, basically. So whether that's manually um, in, into the frame via a quick release or, you know, if you've got a dropper post and it has a certain amount of travel, which refers to how far the dropper post uh, allows the saddle to descend. Um, you know, if, if your seat post is too long, then you're not going to be able to get the saddle down enough anyway. Um, so seat tube length is, you know, like Tom said, another really important factor to finding a bike that, that fits you correctly. Um, and, and the reason why we kind of introduced dropper post to that is, uh, seat tube insertion depth, which is how far the seat post or dropper post can be inserted into the seat tube. Um, so if the seat tube doesn't have a very large insertion depth, i.e., you can't put the saddle as far down as you need it to be, it doesn't actually matter how long it is, because you won't be able to get the saddle out of the way anyway. So you're already compromised.
0: One thing I wanted to add to the, the geometry section is if you, you know, if you are reading a lot of new bike reviews and news that comes out, and, and we are we're terrible for doing this, I think, on bike radar, as is the entirety of the mountain bike media. When the new bike comes out, one of those cliché things is, oh, the bike's longer, lower, and slacker. What? What? I mean, you know, like that's that's a phrase that we use all the time, and it refers to the geometry of the bike. So when we're saying longer, we're talking about the reach figure, because more modern bikes are getting longer in their reach, because longer reaches tend to be more stable, generally speaking, and, and uh, slightly more confident downhill. Lower, we're talking there about sometimes the bottom bracket height, but also about the seat tube length, so shorter seat tubes. Lower standover height, so that's the height. Loo, loo, loo. So, oh, God, oh, sorry. Oh, no, sorry,
1: you were on it already. That was I a was false klaxon.
0: <laughs> standover height, that is the height between the top tube, which is the horizontal tube of the of the mountain bike frame, um, and your crotch when you're studding, stood over the bike. So uh, a lower standover height means there's a bit more space between um, your nethers and the top tube, and that's kind of... Good thing a lot of the time, a bit more confidence, but has some downsides as well, but we'll gloss over those. Um So lower sort of shorter seat tubes, which means you can fit longer drop dropper posts, um, generally speaking, um, and means the saddle is less likely to be too high. Uh, and the lower standover and all that sort of thing, longer, lower, and then slacker, uh, we're talking there about the head tube angle. So again... Head tubes are getting slacker overall. So um, we're seeing changes of a a couple degrees now, say, on cross-country bikes. Typically, like five years ago, 70 degrees. Now, a lot of them are 68 degrees. Some of them are even 67 degrees. So that's what we're talking about when we say longer, lower, slacker.
1: Okay. So seeing as geometry is changing so fast, Mm -hmm. would that put you off recommending somebody getting a second-hand bike that is, say, five years old?
0: No. Um, no, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I would say pick your bike carefully. If this is your first mountain bike and you're picking a bike from five years ago that was quite a good mountain bike five years ago, still probably quite a good mountain bike. Um, it's the whole frame of reference thing that comes into it. So, you know, like if you then jumped onto like another mountain bike that was like really modern and like really long, low and slack, then you would then maybe notice the differences a little bit more. But generally speaking, bikes of five years ago are still pretty good.
1: Nice. Well, that was a bit of a loaded question, actually, because my first bike was a really nice bike from five years ago. And to start with, it fitted me great, as mm. in the length of it, the reach was fine. But as I progressed, after sort of a year or so, when I was doing these bigger drop-offs, the seat tube was a little bit too long for me. So it was like older geometry mm-hmm. style. And then I was getting the, the saddle, even with the biggest dropper I could fit in the arse going down the descents. Which you know by then had got pretty annoying, mm. but I'd already had um, a year and a half of really good riding on its a fantastic yeah. bike, and it had great resale value because it was really nice. And then I could move on to something that did fit a bit better. Yeah. So you know, even if you don't get the perfect bike as your first one, doesn't mean that you should completely write it off. It's yeah. Still, a good experience.
0: Fit, yeah. You know, make sure the fit's good. Make sure it's in good condition. But there's nothing wrong with second-hand bikes so long as you know. Just try not to buy something that's like maybe 5 years ago was kind of still old school.
1: So I think a really important one to ask is how much travel do you need for your first bike? Alex, do you have any particular thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um so I think like you definitely don't need suspension travel. Okay. So to have a great time, it you know this is kind of it doesn't go against what Tom says about you know if you have the option of going for a hardtail or a full suspension bike, choose the full suspension bike. Um that I, I think that's what you said, isn't it, Tom? Mm, <laughs> okay. what, what, what did you say there let's said, scrub that then
0: don't um if you want a full suspension bike and you can afford a reasonable full suspension bike don't feel you have to buy a hardtail if you're new but if you want to do so because they are
2: quite fun right cool so um you definitely don't need suspension travel to have a good time okay you're gonna have fun regardless of of how much or how little suspension travel you've got um but if you're riding, you know, gnarlier, more engaged terrain, um, more suspension travel is going to be helpful. Um, and it's kind of, you know, similar to what Tom said about um, don't feel like you need to have a hard tail as a beginner, you know, that, that that's not necessarily true. It can be helpful, but, you know, it's not necessary. Um, suspension travel isn't like a be all and end all. And, you know, if you've got 100 millimeters or 150 millimeters of suspension travel, then, you know, it, it's not hugely relevant for, for beginners. If you're just heading around, you know, your trail center, if you're learning how to mountain bike, it could make it a little bit easier. You know, it, it might make some parts of the trail easier. Um, it kind of broadens that um, entry point, I guess, um, you know, compensating for skills that you're let, yet to learn. Um, which, you know, is obviously a, a, a genuinely nice thing to say, but you know, it, it's kind of true as a beginner, you, you know, you, you're not going to be hot stuff instantly. Um, <laughs> that's fair, I think. <laughs> um, so if you're into cross country, hundred millimeters is pretty good down country. Like Tom said, hundred to 120 trail, a little bit more, etc. It, it goes on. Um, but don't get fixated really. You know, you don't, you don't need tons and tons of the stuff.
1: Great. And I know you did your first e-bike of the year testing this year, Alex. Is that right? Mm. What about electric bikes? Would you recommend them for beginners? Uh,
2: if your budget permits, absolutely. Um, you know, it's kind of a similar argument to the hardtail versus full suspension thing. Um, it just opens up the, the the point of entry, the point of entry to the sport. So um, say you've not found your cycling legs yet in terms of fitness or strength. Uh, an e-bike will definitely help you get out onto the trails and, you know, experience what mountain biking is like. Um, they are expensive. You know, there's a lot more technology in there. So if you're on a budget, um, it's kind of maybe a little bit trickier to recommend. Um, so, you know, a thousand pound electric bike, something like Carrera's Subway um, is maybe not going to be hugely um appropriate for you know blue and harder trail center runs um you might be okay on greens and you might be okay on bridleways and just getting out into the countryside um but for you know slightly more dedicated mountain biking you maybe want to increase your budget and it's around two and a half to three and a half thousand pounds is where entry level e-bikes that you know uh, kind of begin to be suitable for for proper off-road riding um absolutely if you can afford it yeah 100 percent, fill your boots
1: nice my uh brother got into mountain biking this year and he was very sorely tempted by an e-bike because i think you take it for granted just as, just as a cyclist like developing muscles in your legs that maybe you don't use in other aspects of life and for once i was better than my brother at something <laughs> and it was amazing um at the pedaling bit he, he was absolutely fine. He was flying off stuff that took me weeks to build up to um, as a beginner. But, yeah, sometimes taking the sort of kick out of the pedalling style could be really good.
0: It comes down to that enjoyment thing, like, earlier yeah. on. Like, if you're enjoying it, you're going to go and ride it. And if you're going to ride it, you're going to develop your skills. You're going to get better at riding. You're going to get better at mountain biking. So I think, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd utterly concur with Alex on that. If you can afford an e-bike and if you want an e-bike, because not everyone's going to want one. But if you want one and you can afford it, and, yeah, why not? Why not? Nice. They're good fun.
1: And do you guys have any recommendations for people like trying different bikes before they buy? Are there places that you can go to demo bikes um, or hire bikes so you can get a bit of a feel for what works for you? Maybe the sizing before you commit to spending your cash.
0: It's definitely something to recommend doing. Absolutely. If you get a chance to go and try a bike, you know there's you know a lot of bike shops will offer hires or potentially a demo. you might hire it and then you get the higher fee off the purchase price perhaps Uh, and a lot of brands um, do demo series all over and obviously this podcast is covering the UK as well as US and and Europe and all all over the world there are sort of very often demo events at different areas around your relevant country Um, and you know you are about to drop potentially quite a well quite a significant sum of money. So why would you not? Because every bike's different. This is the joy that we have is that we get to ride so many different bikes. It's kind of cool because they're all different. Um, I guess the, the counter argument to that is if you've never really ridden a mountain bike before and you go and just buy one and you haven't tried lots of different mountain bikes, you're probably just going to like it anyway, aren't you? So it's kind of like, you know, yeah. but um, certainly if it's, 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 it's worth doing for sure. Um, because, you know, sizing, you know, we talked about geometry and all these different numbers that are quite confusing. You know, you've got to make sure you've got a bike that fits um, and, you know, suspension to system or kinematics. Hong, 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 oh, hong, hong. Uh, they work for you <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I would recommend try before you buy if you, if you can. It's not always easy, but it's probably worth it.
2: And um, One of the um, big advantages of uh, developing a relationship with a local bike shop is that, you know, you can talk to... The people who work there and you know they're more likely they're not going to be experts on the subject um and you know they'll be able to help guide recommend uh what type of bike you need what size bike you need um and you know you'll be able to sit on bikes in in the shop and you know potentially like tom said if they run demo days or whatever um actually give them a go before you buy and there's real value in that especially if you're a beginner um definitely
1: so just to wrap up our last question for you both is when it comes to choosing your first mountain bike are there any areas where you can save a little bit of money or other areas that you might prioritize and you should spend a bit more
0: i i would prioritize or i would save money on frame material so as i sort of vaguely mentioned earlier i probably wouldn't bother with the carbon bike it's just not my bag i'm not that bothered by it um and if it means that you get better suspension That's probably what I would look towards. So long as the bike, also the bike you're buying has got good geometry. So I would look for a bike with good geometry, i.e. long, low and slack in in my opinion. And I think most people's opinion these days. Um, So pick a bike that's got good geometry um, and pick a bike that comes with kind of as good a suspension as you can get away with. Simply because your drivetrain, which is the gears, they are going to wear out, right? but the suspension will also wear out, but better suspension will perform better and will wear out slower and will give you a better ride experience. So I would look for good suspension and good geometry, and I would be less concerned with a cheaper drivetrain or set of gears,
2: um, for example.
1: Nice. How about you, Alex? What would you prioritise?
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely uh, concur with that. Um, one thing's definitely worth noting is that geometry is is free. Um, so, um, that's to say that, you know, a a brand can specify its bike to have one set of geometry or another set of geometry, and there's very little cost incurred for them to do that. Um, so, you know, try and work out what type of geometry you like, what you think is suitable for you. Um, and you know, as we keep saying, the general agreement is that long loan slack is beneficial for the vast majority of people out there. Um, and you know, find a bike that has that geometry um, because it, it it's it's like a it's like a, it, it's it's a free upgrade. It's essentially a free upgrade. You're unlocking performance um, without having to spend extra money.
0: That was a good phrase, by the way. I'm going to use that one day. On geometry my geometry is free. Yeah. Unlocking unlocking what did you say? Unlocking performance.
2: Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's going <laughs> in your review. I've, yeah. Are you going to have to do a, a quotes for that because it was me that said it, uh, Alex? <laughs> 2022 brilliant
1: well thank you very much guys hopefully that's been really helpful for you And thanks for tuning in don't forget to head over to bikeradar.com because we've got absolutely tons of buyers guides on there everything from your best mountain bikes under a thousand pounds your best xc bikes electric mountain bikes enduro trail hardtail even a comparison of hardtail versus a full sus for a grand so there's really loads of information out there to help you make your best buying decision we've got all the links to those in the show notes as well Stay tuned for our episode two next week where we're going to be talking about where you should spend and where you should save when it comes to everything else apart from the bike. So we're talking mountain bike trail essentials. And then if you enjoyed this podcast, then do subscribe and we'd love it if you gave us a rating and let us know why. And if you have any tech questions, then do get in touch at podcast at bikeradar.com and we'll hopefully answer those in another podcast down the line. Until then, goodbye.